Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 666. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we're taking a detour down our spooky little side street, Nightmare Alley, chatting with, in his directorial debut, Joe Latrulio. Yeah, you will no doubt know Joe Latrulio uh, as Boyle on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, honestly, you can't. You could throw a dart in the comedy section on Netflix and hit um, at least one movie that he's in. If you don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I guarantee you know him as the cracky voice guy from I Love You, Man. Uh, as the, the dude who hit Jonah Hill with a car in Superbad. My personal favorite, uh, Neil from uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. Or also the guy who takes LARPing way too seriously in role models. Oh my god. So Joe is no stranger to the comedy world, but surprise to all of us, he is a huge horror fan, a lifelong horror fan. Yeah, uh, you had started chatting with him on Clubhouse before the Symphony Project, uh, and you know he was in there just like talking about seeing Jaws for the first time and stuff. And yeah, like uh, as much as comedy is what he's known for, his first love, as he shared with us, is horror. So we talk a little bit about some of his favorite horror movies, his inspirations, as well as writing and directing his very first horror film, Outpost. Outpost stars, we're going to play the trailer in a minute, but Outpost stars Beth Dover as a woman who's escaped an abusive relationship. It's a story about, uh, you know, survival in the forest. It's a, <laughs> it's a story about uh, not being able to trust weird kooky people on the side of a mountain. But most importantly, it's about forest fire safety and fire prevention. There's also maybe some supernaturally stuff happening around the corners. It's a really cool debut and uh, and has like some really great moments of horror in here. And like so many fucking movies we talk about on this goddamn podcast, like I can't tell you look really good beats, but there's there's especially uh, a vague dance sequence in the movie that is just so fucking good. Yeah, and there's a bunch of very good jump scares and they're non-traditional in a sense, so you'll know when you see them. Yeah, great. You little, will jump. <laughs> great, great little character story uh, about someone who's secluded in the middle of fucking nowhere who can't trust anyone, can't trust herself, and is just, you know, battling the elements and battling personal demons. We'll be back in a minute to chat with Joe Latrulio, but first, the trailer for Outpost. I see his face everywhere. Mike almost took your eye, Kate. You need to go back to group, not into the woods, by yourself. I'm really ready. This is the best thing for me. See you in three months. Thank you, Earl. 
I know you pulled some strings. Yeah, well, uh, we need the help. Fire take the rest of the road? Took a lot more than that. After the big burn in 1910, Uncle Sam said the states had to bear the cost of firefighting. And all these towers went up as a result. We got no water, Wi-Fi, or plumbing. All right, that's your firefinder. Tells us where to go if you see smoke. You are officially an Idaho Lands Department volunteer. Routine is key. Your head needs that. Three months is a long time. Who else knows I'm up here? Uh, just the townies. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Look at this penthouse view. Just came for the peace and quiet. <laughs> Being all alone up here, maybe silent, won't be quiet. Smoke spotted, over. Negative, no smoke, no fire. It's right there, you're right on top of it. We still haven't found Mike. He'll come. 30 minutes late, you need to stay in that tower. Yeah, get back up in that tower. I got no one else. They keep a rifle up there. She needs to come off that mountain. Watch Earl and anyone with him. Sick of being broken. It's time to plant my feet and land a punch. You can't contain that kind of fury once it starts. No, you can't. They're coming for your tower. Skate! Answer me! You don't leave the tower. Keep my mountain safe. My mountain now, too. Joe, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, man. We're really excited to talk to you about Outpost. Very excited to talk about Outpost. Thanks for having me on. I'm a fan of the podcast. Love, love you guys. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, we're so excited because this is your first big horror entry. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, how you decided to do a horror project to do Outpost? Yeah, well, you know, the big surprise is that I was uh, a horror fan at before I was a comedy fan. So at a pretty early age, you know, when every all of us kind of get into this, um, you know, between nine and 13, I was deep into Stephen King and Fangoria magazine and, you know, stealing, um, you know, time uh, at night on cable television to see what I could find. And so it was always my first love. And then you know, comedy, I, I always loved, but I, you know, I wasn't as obsessed with comedy. Um, I love it. I'm going to keep doing it. But, you know, Outpost and this kind of phase of my career, hopefully, is is kind of a return to what I've been wanting to do from an early age. So I'm excited that, um, you know, I was finally able to make this movie. What were some of your favorites when you were growing up? Uh, like, like or, or even maybe favorites from childhood that you pulled from for this movie? Well, the the my personal favorite in terms of horror movies is The Brood. David Cronenberg's The Brood. No and, way. And that, that messed me up pretty bad as a kid. And those little <clears throat> those little creatures were running around my <laughs> my dreams for a while, um, leaving their bloody hand marks on the on the staircases. Um, but I, but for Outpost, um, I've always been a big fan of uh, horror movies that kind of dove into madness and going mad and. Um, Paranoid thrillers, psychological horrors. I love it all, but those were a big, uh, I, I love that subgenre. And so I knew I wanted to kind of start there. And so there were some movies, um, obvious ones like The Shining um, and Repulsion that were kind of the big guideposts. But then um, 1978's Body Snatchers, which has a great paranoid feel. I knew I kind of wanted that for the movie. And so there were a bunch of different um it was about five or six different movies that like outpost I wanted to kind of 
um, give a homage or a nod to. Um, and then the, the story itself is, you know, coming up with the, with, with the idea, I kind of worked backwards. Like I knew that I had to, I was going to finance the movie. Um, and I knew that I wanted, um, Beth Dover, my wife in there because she's a terrific actor, but also like this movie was going to be in our household for many years if we're going to try to make this movie. Um, and so I kind of worked back from what is a story about a female protagonist since it was a low budget. I'm like, let's get some production value. Where could we have, what could look cool? I'm like, oh, how about the top of a mountain? Not of course thinking of the logistics of making. No. <laughs> um, and so then it began like, all right, well, what kind of story could take place? And, and then thinking about the stuff I liked, as I was saying, isolation and stuff. I'm like, well, what if she had a job up there? What if she was stuck up there for a bit? And so the the story kind of evolved from there. It wasn't it was it wasn't quite like a, a an inspirational one where I'm like, oh, I got I got a great idea for a movie. It was like this. Is, these are my parameters. What cool, unique story could I create from from that? Yeah. And you wonder watching it, too, because the outpost itself is such a unique location. It's so perfect for a horror movie because yeah. it's isolating and it's ki- it's kind of scary. Being out in the wilderness is scary. Uh, are it you is, are you like a hiker or are you out? in the I wilderness? Do, I love. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, yeah, I love. Uh, I like getting out there. Um, Beth is not, which only adds <laughs> to her performance. Um, it was perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I loved um, I love the location. It took quite a long time. To, to find it, we, you know, I think I wrote the first draft in spring of 2018. We shot in the summer of 21. We were supposed to go in the summer of 20, but, you know, COVID hit. And so we had to not do that. Um, but it took a while to find the, the tower. And so I shot it with my, my buddy, Frank Pereira. He's the DP. I've known him since I was 17. And we, we were like, if we can't find an actual tower, then we shouldn't do this movie. Because the, mo- the, the the script is is not the most original in the world, it, which is to say that, you know, we've seen this story. It's a very familiar story, a person that is kind of stuck somewhere and, and starts getting into their head about it. Um, but what I thought would make this movie stand out is the location and and having people say, like, holy crap, they're, they're actually shooting in this tower like what yeah. like why like you know I wonder <laughs> that, that kind of excitement when you're watching it and that element of like ooh, whoa um to to be a part of the movie and so um that was it was really important to find this spot we had a a lot of cooperation from the community there in idaho and priest lake and coolin um i have to do a shout out to uh, dan brown who is the head of the idaho department of land there um, who allowed us to work in that tower. That's an active fire tower. Oh, and wow. I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah, it's a, that's a, that's the real deal. And um, they were just absolutely uh, crucial. And, and, you know, I had, once I found the tower, um, I kind of rewrote the script and the action of the script mm. for that specific location. So um, the production draft was probably the 13th draft of the script. And um, there was about five versions that uh, I wrote with the location that we shot at in mind. So a lot of the action at the top of the tower in the third act was was written specifically for, you know, for that tower. And, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. I I thought like, well, 
state agency is just going to be like, well, you can't do this, this and that. And they were great. They were great. And they allowed my uh, production designer, Jade Harris, to really go to town on the inside of that tower, both to kind of make it look nice and also to not make it look nice when we (laughs) needed it to not look nice. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. They were, they were just so great um, because in a community that small, if they don't want you to be there, you're not going to be able to make a movie. And they were just terrific. They, I really can't say enough about all the people, all the locals that were just terrific. That's cool. Is the tower actually as isolated as you make it feel in the movie? Yeah. Like, is it that far from the store, or the town? Or is it? It took. Um, it takes an hour to get up to the tower. So wow. it's wow. um, 6,300 feet. And um, we lost an hour each day. So we lost two hours of shooting time. Light wasn't a problem because we shot in the summer in the north. And so it was it was light out until about 930 or 10 at night. But we you know, we had the restrictions of 12 hour days. So um, we spent about eight days on the top of that mountain. And uh, if you kind of do the math, we lost about 16 hours. So we really shot this movie in 15 days, not 16 days. Wow. Uh, is everybody like really fit now from having to lug all the everyone's up the really, everyone's really fit. Uh like we were worried a little bit about like altitude sickness and and whatnot. Um um Becky Ann Baker didn't have altitude sickness, but she was a little woozy. And even Beth was a little like, whoa, because the tower would move. Oh, you know? I don't like that. No. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, not severely. I don't want to over exaggerate, but you felt it a little bit. It's all cabled in, it's very secure. There wasn't any fear that we would actually be in danger, but it's a very scary feeling because the summit is 6,300, but then there it's on this big rock that's about 10 feet high. And then the tower itself is like 30 feet. So you're, you're just really up there. And um, it really created quite a feeling for all of us. We were also for safety reasons, we couldn't have more than five people at the top. So another reason we needed a small, cast so it's really like beth me my dp frank my ad and my sound person maybe a prop guy that was on the landing before so we really had to be very economical with with who was up there yeah well plus it's like it's a tiny little space too so you really can't have a lot of people whether you want them there or not correct yeah exactly yeah no we were, um, i think we were both really surprised at, at some of the stuff you did at the top of the tower like one like how it looks by the end of the movie but also yeah. uh, there's like a whole fight sequence at the top that i just yeah. for visual reference anybody watching the video in the back i think that's a shot of the tower that you were that's that you were there yeah yeah so like that's how high up you were and and yeah. to be you know fighting somebody at the top of that sounds like a nightmare it was very exciting um but i'll say that that sequence Oh, well, for one, we obviously um, we had a terrific stunt coordinator, Mallory Thompson, who um, we worked out the choreography on on scouts a couple of days before and then also taped taped out the dimensions of the floor plan in the balcony, like in the room, just at the hotel and worked a little bit there. So when that should day come, came, we, we, we knew exactly what we were going to do. However, it was at the end of the day, we were a little behind. We had about an hour to shoot that entire sequence. Wow. And uh, and it was also that day, at that moment of the day, incredibly windy. The, the gusts were going about 25 to 30 miles an hour. And you can tell when you see it, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff there's blowing around. And, you know, I was told from the people that were on at base camp at the bottom, they were like, truly like, 
pulling their hair out with fear. They were, they were, you know, they were like, oh my God, like this is crazy. And they couldn't, you know, they can communicate. We had walkies right our AD up there, but uh, you know, not much because they knew we didn't have a lot of time to shoot it. So they, they didn't want to interrupt us, but um, all the actors were top notch and just gave it their, brought their A game and were game for all that stuff. But we're right there on the balcony there. Um, and I just wrote the action to have a lot of that fighting on the ground. Like there wasn't a lot of standing and swinging and up against the the railing. And, you know, I, I specifically, it was very grappling oriented type of choreography. I mean, it's smart. You're keeping, you're taking everybody's safety into account, even just in the writing process. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, like what's your, what's your process like directing actors? Like obviously you are, I think a lot of people know you as a comedic performer. So you've spent a lot of time in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, like what, what's your process like working with people? I'm sure you've got a bit of a leg up in terms of communicating with, with your Well, actors. I found that the most important thing, and this is with every project that I've been part of, com- you know, uh, comedy and otherwise, but especially comedy um, is that you need to kind of work not with dickheads and make it about the work. So in other words, you you need to just create a, a feeling of like safety and comfort and and um, you're you're able to kind of play the fool and not and feel safe with that. Right. So I wanted to surround myself with people that, you know, are, are kind of better at what they do than I am. And then um, with the actors specifically, I was really fortunate because all of them, um, with the exception of Otto, who I met just before uh, were personal friends of mine, oh, you know, well, the, you the, that's the, great, you know, and so, or, or my wife, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so it was a very easy to, to have that trust and that shorthand. Um, and then Otto just, man is incredible, just an incredible actor, um, but also a great dude and his game and um, totally clicked with the rest of the actors actually knew, I think I'd worked with Dylan Baker before as well. Um, and so it was a very natural fit. And so being an actor, I, I, I know what I want as an actor. When I go on set, I just want a director who knows exactly what he wants and what he wants to do. Like, I don't get too precious with, tell me where to go and tell me where to be. Like, you know, if it doesn't work for me, I'll be like, ah, can I try this or that? And so that's how I approach it with, 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 with the actors. Just like, hey, here's, we, we don't have a lot of time. Here's where I have blocked what do you guys think? Let's talk about it. And most of the time they're like, yeah, that works. Can we switch that to that? Sure. How about this word? Yeah. Yeah. Say that instead. So it was, it was pretty, um, it was pretty smooth. That's great. Like that's purely collaborative. Like, like of course, really you, you need a solid, solid team. If there's only going to be five of you up there. So I'm glad nobody got into fist fights over. Anything. Yeah. 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 Exactly. No, we could, we didn't have time to get in fights. <laughs> and was there anything about, like you've obviously directed a few episodes of television, including Brooklyn nine, nine, uh, but like, this is your first feature. Like, is there anything yeah. about moving into directing a feature that like completely caught you off guard or surprised you? Um, not on the, not on the pre-production and production level, like later with post and distribution, I, I it was a rude awakening in many respects, but um, I had a pretty ha- a good handle on, um, on, on that stuff. Having been on set for a while you know, I've been writing since I was pretty young. My work with the state, the comedy group, like taught me kind of structure and sketch structure, which are just kind of bringing that out into a three act structure and a feature. And and so um, I kind of used a lot of those tools that I had learned there um, with making the feature. I think the main thing that I learned with the feature is 
getting enough sleep and just really over preparing. Um, just preparing, preparing. That's really what I've because directing I found is is just problem solving. It's like problem solving and delegating um jobs to other people that are better than you at what they do. And so it's you, you can't, although I I think all directors have an element of control freakishness in them. You can't really <laughs> be control free. You have to understand that like you can't do it alone. And the more you can prepare, the more you can kind of leap off that and say like, all right, that's not going to work. We had that a couple of times with um, some, some scenes, but Frank and I did a shot list for like a year, you know, before oh, wow. we went up there just so, and we knew that we, it, we weren't going to be able to do all of it or that it would have to change. But you just you feel so much better once you have the shot list and also just kind of talk about um, like the visual language of the movie. You know, like what like how, like what is the you know, we had a lot of high, high angles and because of that tower, um, you know, a lot of I knew a lot of what we were going to do was going to come from from above, you know, as well. That was the other thing, Kimmy, you were talking about how the tower is a, a character and. We actually named her. We actually decided oh, yes. to out. Um, and, you know, her name's Lucy. And we would always refer to the tower as Lucy. Um, and it was in the script. And it was in the cut for a long time. But it was it was kind of bumping up a little bit of the momentum of some of the scenes. But it was important to have um, a name for her. And it, it was a her. Because it was connections that we were trying to make between Kate and the tower. And kind of a kinship and an unspoken energy and connection between two of them who were of feminine energies. And so we, um, you know, unfortunately we couldn't keep that detail, but hopefully a little of that like ble bleeds into it. Uh, yeah. In well, way. you do kind of feel that for her, like early on in the film when she's experiencing, like she's going through some trauma of her own and she's, um, she's very raw and fresh in it. And when yeah. you want her to run back up to her tower when stuff is happening, you're like, yes. get back in your tower. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, it's funny. This is uh, is that something you do in your personal life? Because like I know we we name run up to towers. Yeah, yeah, run up to towers. Run away to my tower. Yeah. <laughs> we I don't know why we name like we have a shelf in our pantry that we have a uh -huh. name for. I don't know why. I love that, uh, and well, it's been I, with us like a family member. Well, it's named because it was like an IKEA shelf, and we've just been calling it by its IKEA name because it just feels like it's its proper name. Yeah, but we have <laughs> yeah we have names for our car. We call our we have an RV that we use to go to film festivals. We call her Georgette. Uh, do you name stuff and around your house? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, none that are coming to mind, but I, I do like to kind of personalize things sometimes. Um, I don't really have an example, but I hear what you're saying, like with using Lucy a, a, as a tower, like. It just kind of brought out a, yeah, just a, a connection with an, an inanimate object that <laughs> is, um, it's just comforting. It's, you feel like you have a friend in when, when you're all alone. And that's always, that's always nice. Yeah, we uh, we moved to kind of like a rural spot and it's uh it's, Where are you guys at? We're, we're in, in Manitoba Ma now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. we're okay. we're in, we're in the woods. <laughs> yeah, we're in Canada's North Dakota, basically. <laughs> Love it. We were not far from, I mean, where we shot was only 30 miles from the Canadian border. Right That's yeah, that was probably very close. We probably drove yeah. through it to get to a film festival. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's crazy how scary it can be outside at night and stuff. And I think you, I think you did a pretty good job of, of uh, highlighting that, even just with like, oh, there's a fucking just stray coyote here in the middle of the day. 
Uh, did you yeah. guys ever, did you guys have like bump into any wildlife while you were on set? We, you know, we had heard there was talk that there were some black bear sightings. I did oh, not fuck. see any. Um, but believe it or not, you know, up at the top of that summit, like I thought we were going to run into more wildlife. We had no injuries. We made our days. There were, there were no, we were really lucky. We heard the coyotes. Um, but, um, you know, we, we, we had to shoot during the day. Like there's no night. It's all day for night. There's only a couple mm -hmm. of scenes where it's night and, and, cause obviously we couldn't get any lights up there. And so, but that was a challenge and something that. I really kind of love, I like, I like daytime horror, like Midsummer is, a, is one of my favorites. It was fantastic. And I know a lot of people don't like the movie prophecy 1979, but I love it. And there's some like the mutant bear movie. Um, yeah. and, and there's some like daytime stuff in there, which I love. So uh, that was just a, a unique kind of challenge to not be able to use the night as, as a fear, um, device, you know, yeah. So did, did you and Frank, like you said that you'd known each other since you were like 17, yeah. like are, were horror movies something that you guys shared when you were younger? Um, I, you know, I don't know so much about Frank, not, uh, I think he likes them, but I wouldn't say that he's a fan and, and I don't think he was into them as much as I am, but, but Frank is um, a terrific cinematographer and just loves, he loves being able to kind of translate themes and symbols of the movie into how we can shoot the movie. And, um, you know, that, that played in uh, a big part of, of the language of the movie as well. Um, but, um, I don't think he was a horror fan. No, I think, no, I think okay. that was kind of new for so him. You're like, yeah. come out to the middle of nowhere with me. We're shooting a horror movie. <laughs> well, that he loves. He's very much a name, probably more so than I, like he loves that type of challenge. Like he loved the challenge of making this movie. Like he and I wanted to work together, but like, as I said, you know, you you just don't do nothing's been shot up there. Maybe a Jeep commercial has been shot up there. But, you know, that challenge, Frank is like me in that, like, well, if this ain't going to be hard and it, it's been done before, why do it? So I think that was I think that was a big dangling carrot for for Frank as well. Oh, that's cool. Do you do you have uh, something in mind? You don't have to give us any details or anything, but like, do you do you have something that's even more complicated that you're hoping to do uh, again soon? Um, probably not on this level, but you know, the next script that I have, I, I think will lean a little bit more into horror. It leans more into horror and sci-fi and, um, and it's a creature feature. And so it's oh, right. not, and I, and I think it's, um, yeah, it's not as, it's not as physically demanding in terms of location as this, it, it'll be demanding in other ways for sure. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think unless we do Bride of Outposts, <laughs> this does very well. And they're like, you got to do another one. Um, we'll probably let Sundance Tower live on its own for a while. <laughs> All right. Well, looking forward to seeing your your remake of 1979's Prophecy. <laughs> we actually have that movie on VHS. It's come up a, a few times just with people we've talked to in the last little while. I think there's I, I like think it's a lover to leave yeah. it. I, I've heard a lot of people kind of, ba you know, you know, bash it a little bit. Um, this is OK. But I just again, like to kind of, you know, go back to where I started the conversation. You know, that was one of the movies that I saw at like nine years old. And like it just whether it's like stands on its own as a great movie or not, like it's just made it made an imprint with me. You know, it's a nice little stamp of like. What is that bear? What is that? What is that thing? <laughs> wow. Did he just throw that sleeping bag into a tree? 
way to go you know like you know. yeah that's great and when there's not a lot like like it so it's it's why it comes up a lot and yeah. i mean it's even also- eco horror as a as a kind of a concept even just like natural horror there isn't a lot of it yeah and and it's a great i mean and it's john frankenheimer you know it's a, it's a terrific director too um and it's got talia shire in it come on you know <laughs> i can't remember who the male lead is in that but wasn't he like a tv star uh, yes, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm forgetting his, um, his name is slipping. Yes, yeah. but he, exactly. It's, he was it's totally a name you'd see on like, uh, Hollywood squares or something like I, I feel <laughs> sure. silly that we're not remembering it. Yeah. But that's, that's really cool. I'm glad to hear that you're, you're planning on sticking around in the horror space. That's, that's Oh, great. for sure. I mean, I, I, I would love to stick around, uh, as long as, as people start, keep watching the movies. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I mean, like your cast is great. It, it honestly uh, kind of I did not actually know before sitting down to talk. This with This was great when we were looking up a little bit, yeah. like getting names and everything. Yeah, did did not know that you and Beth were married. Uh, but also kind of looks like it was a little bit of a couples retreat between you and the Bakers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I love that. <laughs> so Dylan and Becky, I've just known for so many years, and they are such advocates of independent filmmaking. They are an adorable couple, just uh, and but also are terrific actors, each of them, and love love working together and love helping filmmakers. Um, I almost said young filmmakers, which I am not, but like, they, have, they have done they have done like you know um, so many student films, and uh, they were just a pleasure to be you know on set with, and and they love kind of exploring Idaho and and driving around, and then Beth and I. You know, we work great together as actors, um, so we we knew it would be pretty good as uh, as actor director, and it was. I think I made um, kind of an executive decision, and and I was like, I think on location we should have separate rooms um, mm. because it, it just helped each of us kind of play our roles in terms of the movie and not be husband and wife per se, and just be actor and director and she could have her space and I have mine. And I think it really helped both of us keep our sanity and just kind of stay focused on the task at hand. Um, I was really lucky with, with all my actors. I mean, they're, they're all so good and brought so much to it. Um, and there were some like, um, you know, we had a couple of local actors, um, the, um, the two hikers that um, Kate Beth Dover's character runs into are actual um, firefighters with the Idaho oh, Department no of Land. Oh, cool! The real deal, and and they were so good, and they're great guys, uh, Luke Sater and John and Johnny Cook. And they're and also they, in there, um, kind of doing like a fire safety segment, almost, right? Like these yeah, are the, these are so like true. don't do what these shitheads do in the woods. That's right. That's <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. And they were um, they were just so they were just so game, and um, and we got that response from so many of the. The people there like we hired the jeep club um um this family the millwards uh have a jeep club and they were able to drive cast and crew you know up the mountain and oh, that's, you know, fun. that's awesome yeah i didn't want to end up like leaving that responsibility to a 22 year old pa from los angeles <laughs> <laughs> like um so they were they were super helpful the whole community was great well, that's good, too, at the end of the night when you're all driving back down the hill. It's somebody that's maybe done it 200, 300 yeah. times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Joe, it's uh, it's been 
great talking with you, man. And oh, thank uh, you. we like we like to close thank out you. every interview by asking people what their dream drive-in double feature would be. If you could play any two movies at the drive-in, uh, what would you play? And it could be like uh, just two movies you want to see on the big screen, or two movies you think would pair really well with Outpost. Yeah, I, I think um, the, I call this like my um, like my my urban rescue with amazing soundtrack. Um, and it would probably be escape from New York and then okay. attack the block and just oh, have both yeah. of those, um, uh, seeing those on the big screen. They're, they're two of my, two of my favorites. Um, that's fun. Sure. That that's, would be a drive-in you'd you want, want in the middle of a city or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I, you know, I, there, there's, there's a few, um, if I were to, I have like a, like a vulgar, a vulgar, um, sports, um, combo like um, Bad News Bears and Slapshot. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> to watch together. Yeah, but, so, um, you know Saturday bonus feature. You get Smokey and the Bandit afterward yeah, for anybody that's willing to stay up super late. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we've been trying to do Attack the Block on the podcast for a long time. I just haven't found like the right movie to pair it with. I mean, Escape from Escape from New York might be the right choice. Actually, we I, haven't done Escape from New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, I mean that movie. That movie just grabbed me. Um, in fact. Quick little story about that. So I saw that movie. It's a, a preview of it with the filmmakers, and I just blown away. And I, I the first person I, I brought it to or introduced it to when it came out was uh, Dallas Roberts, who plays you know mm. Ranger Dan in the movie, and he loved that movie so much. The sequence towards the end where it kind of kicks into the house music and in slow motion, the creatures are chasing. Yeah. Um, the crew like brought him to tears. Like oh, no he, way. So, he, he he talks about that movie all the time. Like, yeah, man, it's 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 incredible. Like, um, and then it's got you know um, the great Nick Frost, my co-star of the Paul of the movie yeah, Paul, yeah. and um, dear dear friend who I miss. I haven't seen him in a while. Anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, great movie, Attack the Block. So, where and when can everybody see Outpost? So Outpost will be coming to uh, some select theaters, um, but everywhere on demand on May 19th, um, Apple, Amazon, um, all, all the regular spots. Uh, and then we will be in a couple of cities, but I think uh, we're still finding which ones that is. But it will be available on demand everywhere. Cool. Rad. We should start saying the cool theaters. It's playing in the <laughs> yeah, cool theaters. Yeah, it's playing in all the cool theaters. Yeah. <laughs> Get your art theaters near you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, Joe. It's, it's Thank you so much for having you. me, guys. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and it was great talking with you both. Thank you again to Joe Latrulio for taking the time to talk with us on the podcast. Outpost is out in cool theaters beginning this weekend. It's going to be hitting VOD soon. We highly encourage you to check this movie out. And hit us up on Twitter to let us know what you thought of it. Uh, you can reach us at NOFS Podcast. But better yet, we, you can chat with all the fiends over in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. If you're a longtime fan of the show, consider giving us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this. If you're a if you're a longtime listener of the show, how come you haven't already given <laughs> us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify?
And if you want even more content, head to our Patreon Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash Fiend Club for bonus series like our Never Sleep Again, our Midnight at Camp Blood, and the one we're currently doing, Graveyard Smash, where we've been delving into the world of the Universal Monsters. Yeah, this weekend we're talking about Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, you know, we already finished up our Dracula series. We're moving on into, into Frank and the Mad Scientists, and, uh, you know, it's... Oh boy, God! One of the best goddamn Universal monster movies ever made. Uh, it was a great little chat, and I'm really excited to share that episode with the fiends and you as well. Also, I have a soundboard for this series, so I'm mad with mad scientist powers. <laughs> That's it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back again next Thursday with another episode of the podcast. But until then, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay, Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.